Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Taeyong Jung. I am the cross-cultural pastor here at Epping. Uh, let's talk to God first. Father, thank you for your word, for its wisdom, truth, and power. Open our eyes so we can see more and more wondrous things in it and help us to live according to your word, your ways, your truth. In your precious name, amen. Pali pali, it means hurry up, hurry up in Korean. You hear this a lot when you live in Korea. Uh, it's not, good day mate, excuse me, thank you. Uh, it's hurry up, hurry up. How are you, mate? Bali, Bali. In a restaurant, a bank, or on the road, that's the expression that is used frequently. A Korean media outlet undertook some research. 1,000 foreigners who lived in Korea was asked one question. What's the Korean word you hear most often in Korea? Any guess? Bali, Bali, <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. It's used not only in Korea, but also in some of the overseas tourist destinations popular with Koreans. Even shop owners in other countries know the expression. Bus drivers and shop assistants, they all became familiar with this expression. Bali, Bali, hurry up. And congratulations. Uh, you became one of them. Bali, Bali, you understand. If you, are, you aren't aware of this, let me give you a recent example. Last Tuesday, my family went to a Chinese restaurant run by a Korean owner in Eastwood to celebrate my son's sixth birthday. You can't believe how fast the restaurant was to take my order to cook and to bring the food to our table. We arrived in the restaurant at 5.25 p.m. We ordered our favorite set menu once we were settled at the table. In another five minutes, the food started to come out. We enjoyed our food and finished our dinner. I looked at my watch. It was just 5.52 p.m. It took less than 30 minutes to have a family dinner with four kids. It wasn't a fast food shop or a food court in a shopping center. There were six of us, and we ordered four different dishes. That's amazing, isn't it? By the way, I'm not promoting this restaurant, but just let me, let me tell you, after my morning preaching, uh, a couple of friends of the church were very uh, curious about this restaurant. So I can tell you, so, but you don't need to say bali bali there because they are naturally very quick. <laughs> so impatience is not just a chronic problem for Koreans. We can see this hurry up mindset in our lifestyle here in Australia. When we want to park our cars in a busy shopping center. When we want our kids to get ready for school. When you want to make progress in a project. Or even 
when we want to grow in our faith. With the rapid development of modern technology, we may become impatient because we have become accustomed to, to, to getting what we want very quickly. People tend to be in a hurry when they want something. This can become an obstacle in our own lives and affect our Christian community because Christians sometimes feel that God should also work very quickly when they need something. That's basically the same problem that James wants to remind his readers about. So have a look at verse 7. Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord is coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. James tackles the attitude of always being in a hurry. In other words, James is asking one question. Is faith working in your life? What James is saying here is the same as the message he has been giving all the way through this letter. Remember, when life isn't working, we need to believe, trust, and seek God's wisdom and then wait patiently for God's help, as highlighted in James chapter 1. In other words, to be patient is our confession that the result depends on God. This is a lesson we were reminded of last week. God is God, and we are not. That's why James describes the farmer as waiting for the harvest. In this picture, we need to remember the suffering hunger of the farmer just before the new harvest. The farmer hopes a good harvest, and might be suffering from hunger during the last weeks before the new crop is fully ripe. We can imagine how eagerly the farmer awaits the harvest. In contrast to the farmer, we enjoy an opulent lifestyle. We can get almost everything if I'm allowed to exaggerate a bit. We want what we want when we want it. We get upset when we can't have what we want. That's why we become impatient. James continues on chapter 8, verse 8. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Patience is an important part of the Christian life because we are still waiting for the Lord to come again. That's the wisdom we need to be reminded of today. However, what James is talking about here is not a passive waiting, which is doing nothing. Usually, our view of waiting is in the doctor's waiting room. We see it as a meaningless waste of time. For example, when I went to see a medical specialist two weeks ago, uh, you don't need about. Uh, don't worry. It's uh, just simple checkup. I was stuck in the reception area, having nothing left to do to pass the time, but scan through all the copies of journals. Our waiting on God is not like this. 
The sort of waiting to which James calls us is not inactivity. He's talking about both patience and formation. He's talking about the way we often misunderstand our part in this time of waiting. We think that we don't need to do anything. That's not true, is it? James reminded us to endure with patience. We need to stand firmly in the faith. We need to discern the distinction between passive and active waiting. So waiting on God is to be busy in service to God and to others, or in for acceptance of his wisdom and timing. Waiting is itself a call to action. It may not be surprising that people respond to painful external circumstances by grumbling or complaining, as this is evidence of lack of patience. Have a look at verse 9. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. What's James talking about? He's talking about Christian community. We need to be patient with others who are also being called to patient, being called to wait. We should be patient because it will benefit our Christian community. Patience It's not just an individual matter. It's also a matter of community harmony. Friends, when do we usually grumble? It's when what we demand is not satisfied, isn't it? When the demands we make of others are not satisfied, that's the time we begin to complain. Stop the blame game towards one another. James calls us to patient endurance, not seeking revenge or retaliation, instead leaving judgment in the hands of God. The coming Lord is also the judge of the Christian, not just of evildoers. He will examine our behaviors too. After setting up a model for our lifestyle, which reflects endurance in patience, James shows some practical examples of how we should practice it in our Christian community. His examples are about how we should speak instead of grumbling. How should we be using our tongues in our Christian community? James gives us two helpful instructions here, with honest and with healing word of prayer. The first thing to notice is that oaths are another example of the misuse of the tongue for Christians. Remember what Jesus said about this. Jesus taught his disciples to measure their words and not swear oaths in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 and 37. This was countercultural wisdom at the time. In the culture of the world James and his community lived in, it was believed that only one's own inner circle deserved and required truth-telling. One was not obligated to tell the truth to strangers, foreigners, 
who are enemies. But as followers of Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, they needed to be honest without swearing an oath. Using oaths at the time demonstrated that some speech was more honest than other speech. In contrast to this, we need truthfulness in all speech, nothing more and nothing less. This change in our way of speaking establishes the Christian community as based in the word of truth. That's certainly the way James taught us how to use our tongue. After he points us to individual credibility, James turns to healing language, which is a prayer. He encourages his Christian community and says, we can't live without prayer. Why? Faith works. Stick with it through prayer. A Christian community who are practicing patient endurance inevitably face some challenges, like the farmer in verse 7. In the last section of his letter, James shows his concerns about four different kinds of circumstances that a Christian community may face. Have a look at verse 13, 14, and 19. If any, any one of you in trouble, if anyone happy, is any one of you sick, if one of you should wander from the truth, times of trouble, happiness, sickness, and wandering from the truth would be four major experiences for a Christian community life. James gives a practical guide for each case. There are always something to do as a Christian community. Let's see the first case. When life isn't working, what do you do? As James has already said, we shouldn't complain against each other. If so, does that mean we need to bear the difficulty with quiet, quiet resignation as the Stoics advised? Do we need to consider suffering as our destiny? No, that's not the way our faith needs to work. What James encourages here is praying. God is one who can be trusted in our times of trouble. The second situation that James mentions in verse 13 is not an exact opposite to being in trouble. The word happy here means peace of mind in the original language. So James specially commands the communities to sing songs of praise. So praising God is a humble use of our tongue to show how faith works in our life. It, it acknowledges God's good gifts and works against our arrogant feeling that we have achieved everything for ourselves. Both praying to and praising God are a regular part of our Christian lifestyle. The third circumstance James mentions is the need of prayer for sickness. 
There is one thing different here, unlike the first two general situations James mentions in verse 13. This time, we can see the need of the prayer of the members of the Christian community. So have a look at verse 14 again. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. I wonder what you are thinking about when you read these verses. I think there are two clues that point us to think about something associated with the prayer for healing. The first clue is to see who's actually praying in this passage. It's not the sick person, but the elders of the community. It creates a picture of the elders standing of the uh, sick person to pray. And the other clue is that James commands the elders to anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. We don't know exactly whether the oil was used for medical or ritual purposes. There is probably a symbolic significance of such anointing like a baptism in the name of Jesus. But it's not a necessary part element of the prayer for healing because what makes the sick person well is the prayer offered in faith. Have a look at verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Do you see that? The prayer offered in faith opens the situation to the power of God. It seems to have a power to forgive sin. Is there any connection between sin and forgiveness? Sin and forgiveness were often closely associated in the ancient world. However, Jesus made it clear that Drawing a direct relationship between sickness and sin is impossible to do in John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. So what is James trying to say here? Recognizing this possible connection, James encourages the sick person to deal with any potential sin which might be the cause of the sickness that he is experiencing. That's probably the way James understood understood it. It's about God's power. What you and I need to understand is how we can practice the healing language of a prayer for each other. Let me say two things about this. Number one, prayer is not magic. The prayer offered in faith brings healing. The healing power is God's power. It's not our power. We can see that in the same verse, the Lord will raise him up. Prayer is strong, but the strength is not in the prayer itself, but in God's response to it. God is the active agent. God is a prayer-hearing God. So James makes clear the difference between prayer and magic. 
As as God hears our prayer, the Christian with a clear conscience should pray in faith and in the confidence of trusting God. Number two, God listens to prayers of ordinary Christians, not just the superheroes. Have a look at the second part of chapter, uh, verse 16. The prayer of righteous men is powerful and effective. Hang on a moment. Who is the righteous man here? Does that mean we need to be very righteous before God will respond to our prayers? Like the elders or Elijah? No. James is clear that Elijah was a man just like us. The righteous man is a Christian who is righteous because of what Jesus has done for them. It is the ordinary church member of good standing whose prayer is powerful, not just the prayers of the elders or prophet. Prayer is an effective weapon in the hands even of the ordinary Christian. It doesn't require a superhero to wield it effectively. The point is not that someone will get what they want if only they pray hard enough and are righteous enough. What we get at the end of James is not a special section on the superpower of prayer. No, these verses are here to remind us of the significance of the practice of active prayer for each other. That's why James links prayer and mutual compassion as vital in the process of restoring someone from the influence of the sickness and sin. Have a look at the first part of verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you see how James used the same sort of language about prayers for physical healings? In verse 14, the elders are encouraged to pray for healing. Now, the whole Christian community is to pray. James encourages the community to be involved regularly in mutual compassion and prayer as a way of the patient endurance lifestyle. When was the last time we confessed our sins to other Christians and allowed ourselves to be held accountable? This is not easy. In fact, in our simple nature, it's almost impossible to do that. However, God, in his loving wisdom, tells us we need to be open and admit our sinfulness to others. A Christian community finds healings when it is able to pray and confess sins together. Christian can practice a proper use of the tongue in prayer and compassion to restore their community from the sickness, the influence of the sickness and sin. In doing so, I want you to think of one thing. The reason for confessing our sins to each other is not to cover our sins in exchange for apologies. It's not simply saying, sorry in turn, sorry, 
I'm sorry too. It's more than that because our sins are only forgiven by God through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We confess our sins to each other to enable us to pray for each other. Confessing and praying go together as we receive forgiveness in God's grace in Jesus. That's why we need to point out our sins to confess to one another and to repent. The last circumstance James mentions is the concern for those who wander from the truth. They are probably people who do, who do not remain in the faith. We don't know exactly why they wander. It could be due to their lack of patience, which James has discussed. It could be based because of a double-minded lifestyle. We don't know. But what we need to be reminded of is the responsibility of our Christian community to such people. The Christian community should be ready to help someone who is heading down that road to turn around. However, sometimes Christians are too polite to do this. Of course, we need to respect others' decision, but when it comes to active faith, we need, we shouldn't be just polite. We should be bold enough to help them to realize how they became derailed from the truth. We need to help people who are consistently trying to return to a self-centeredness lifestyle to stay in the world where their faith works. So friends, as we are being patient, we probably experience how deeply broken the world that we live in actually is. So as we are patient, let's encourage each other again and again. Being patient is not just about what we get at the end of the patience, but about what our church or we become as we are patient. In our lifestyles of patient endurance, we may have an opportunity to know God better, to know ourselves better as our own heart is revealed, and to know others better as their hearts are similarly revealed. That's why we need to practice to use our tongue to be active in prayer for each other. Through our faithful prayers, God hears from our hearts and responds to our needs in ways beyond our understanding. Faith works indeed. Let's pray together. Lord, our times are truly in your hands, and that is absolutely, infinitely better than if they were in our hands. Please make us wise, knowing the right thing to do in the myriad life situations. Let us grow in wisdom and prudence, and give us the humility prerequisite for them all. In your precious name, amen.